We have long been fans of the Timeless Cigar. Going back to Nat Sherman when it was still Nat Sherman. And I'm telling you, I still think fondly of the townhouse. That incredible cigar humidor, that incredible lounge there in Manhattan. Long since gone when the entire Nat Sherman brand got purchased. But it was Michael Herklotz who really made Nat Sherman what it was in terms of a cigar brand that people appreciated, brought the brand back from the brink of extinction along with everything he was doing at Ferry Otego to keep the timeless alive. And this is the timeless supreme. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is the one and only Johnny Good News, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. This is a glorious Nicaraguan Puro. That means Nicaraguan in the wrapper, Nicaraguan in the binder, Nicaraguan in the filler, and it is a 7 by 50 cigar, meaning it is 7 inches long. Gee. Always makes fingers from Lloyd laugh. And 50 is the ring gauge. That's the diameter of the cigar or how thick it is around. Gee. Again, with the laughter, a 64 ring gauge would be a full 1 inch around, and this is a box press, meaning, well, it's pressed into a square. You just rest it. It's not going to roll on you or anything else like that. Fingers, we've been doing the cigar on and off for a few years. I love that the guys at Ferio Tego, F-E-R-I-O, second word, Tego, T-E-G-O, I'm thrilled they brought it back. I am too because you, you touched on it at the beginning of the segment. You know, when we first started doing the show back in, I believe, 2018, Nat Sherman and Timeless was one of those uh, names that I gravitated to. Nat Sherman was, all you know, well-known old cigar name and really, really uh, took a liking to the timeless. And when we heard it was, was going away, I, I had what the kids call uh, a case of the sads. Is that what you had? That's what I had. But now it's back uh, because of uh, the fine work Michael is doing, and I couldn't be more thrilled. So this is, first of all, a beautiful look for a cigar. Um, the wrapper is a wonderful dark milk chocolate. There is just oil. There's a little bit of, of it's not grit, just a little bit of, you really feel the leaf and, the, and the, Im, the, the imperfections of the leaf, the little bumps here and there. It is not slick, but it's just the right amount of oil. It's, it's a good feel. I could actually use a little more heft in, in this cigar but it just fits nicely in the hand. I just happen to love the way a box press feels. Me too. The 50 ring gauge on this is a little smaller than some of the box presses we've done in the past, but it, it feels really good in the hand. And uh, it's, it's just a beautiful wrapper, like you said. I had a little bit of a tight draw at first. I didn't cut enough of the cap off. Now that I uh, opened it up a little bit more, I'm getting a much better draw. Uh, I, I really like this cigar. So... They, they make a series of cigars. They've got the Sterling, which you can uh, check out. Uh, they've got, and, and of course, they have the, the new Ferio Tego line. But in the, in the Timeless, the Sterling, uh, the Panamericana, which uh, utilizes uh, a blend of Central American tobaccos made in Nicaragua, and then the Prestige, which is actually six tobaccos from three different countries. What I like about the Supreme is that it's coming direct. It's a full bodied cigar even for us doing this for a living this is a full-bodied cigar it's going to come in with some good pepper notes it's going to come in for me it's got that that it's, it's actually a bit undercurrent of spice there i'm actually grabbing right now a touch of coffee i don't know how long that's gonna last 
Oh, see, now I, I don't have anything to pair it with right now. I don't even have water. Uh, I just walked in off of my uh, quarter pounder with cheese value meal. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, Should we play? Should we play? You know, we play a little game here from time to time because Fingers Malloy has what we call in the business the worst diet in the history of mankind. And we haven't played in a while. It's time to play What Did Fingers Eat Today? Here's how we play our game. Fingers Malloy will tell us what he ate today. We will then look at Fingers Malloy and ask him, Fingers Malloy, how are you still alive? Fingers Malloy, you've already given us a hint. What did you eat today? I woke up this morning and had uh, half a pot of coffee. Uh, half a pot? Yeah, for breakfast. And then on my way over to Blend Bar Cigar, where we're recording the show today, uh, I stopped at McDonald's and went through the drive through and got a quarter pounder with cheese meal. Only medium, Tony, because I'm watching my calories. Uh medium size with a Diet Coke, and then I had an apple pie chaser. That's all you had today? That's all I had today. The apple pie was the last thing I had, so I'm getting some apple pie notes on this <laughs> cigar. So your day was a quarter pounder, which you only one? Just one. Just I'm, one? I'm, I'm watching my figure. All it's right. A, it's a new year. Fingers Malloy, how are you still alive? I did three squat thrusts this morning. Look at you. I feel fantastic. You're like a whole new man. <laughs> Smoking the supreme... The 7x50 box press from Ferry Otego, the Timeless Supreme. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I get uh, a, just a, a, a weird, interesting coffee, getting a spice and getting a, a nice little bit of tobacco flavor in there. Where are you at? Tobacco, uh, peppery, and uh, like a toasted nuttiness uh, on the stick. But it's, it's not something that's uh, overwhelming. Right now, it's the, the pepper spice. Uh, that's uh, predominant. But, you know, we, we just lit this. We're just in the first third. So what you want to do is you want to grab your notebook. What did you eat today? What did you drink today? Right? All of that matters. The weather, and we are all screwed up for timing because we had a whole plan. Actually, Michael Herklotz was coming to town doing a big event of Blend Bar Cigar, but we've got a snowstorm anticipated this week. So we recorded early because I have to get out of town because I'm not sticking around for a snowstorm. Well, did you see the forecast? Right now, be before the storm hits, they're anticipating anywhere from 3 to 62 inches of snow. Is that right? Yes. So oh I can completely gosh. understand how everything In a row? Off. In a row. That's unbelievable, folks. So I had to get out. So we had to change how we're recording. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to, to, to see Michael, but we wanted to make sure we, we hit one of the good Ferry Otego uh, products right here. Uh, but what did you eat? So the weather right now is cold and getting colder and a little bit rainy, definitely overcast. That's going to affect your metabolism. It's going to affect your palate and how things taste. But what did you eat? What did you drink? And then break your cigar into thirds. Not physically. I'm talking about with your eye. First third, second third, final third, because those flavors do change over time, right, as the cigar moves through. And very often the blenders want you to have uh, those, those changes and write them down. So when you have the cigar three months from now, six months from now, you could see where you were then, where you are now, and see some of the through lines, some of the things you know, okay, the cigar gives me this kind of flavor. Do you feel like seasons change your palate? Do you, are you drawn to different cigars based on the time of year and uh, you know the weather outside? Seasons change my desire for certain things for my palate. I don't know if it changes me. It changes my desire for things. The weather absolutely does that. A humid day is different than a 42-degree day. 
And yeah. am I inside or am I outside? All those things. I think for me, how it has an impact is I'm much more likely to have a morning cigar when I can go outside in my backyard and have a morning cigar. I don't know if this would be my morning cigar. It's a little bigger than that. I think the question, Fingers Malloy, is, is this in your humidor at $11 yes. a stick? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this is one that, at that price point, can work for you. And if you're somebody who smokes cigars already, it's absolutely worth trying. Look, I, I think that we could be clear that you're going to find cigars that you may like more, but constantly, consistently hitting in that big fullness, giving that spice uh, the timeless works. So a hiatus is known as an interruption in time or continuity. It's a pause. It's a break, especially a period when something such as a typical activity is interrupted. That's the definition of hiatus. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke, Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy, Christopher DeSoto joins us right now, the founder of Hiatus Tequila, and nothing has exploded better, faster, stronger than tequila in the American market since the world of COVID. Because, Christopher, as you were describing just earlier, uh, COVID uh, reminded everybody, hey, you can still have a drink. You can still have a drink and take a break. So good, good to see you. Good to meet you. You just happened to be at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis where we record Eat, Drink, Smoke. You were here. And I'm like, we should talk. I've got a bottle of your Resposado right here, 100% the Agave uh, Tequila. Tequila's been nuts. Tequila's been absolutely, positively incredible in the United States. First, let, let's talk about the fact that you used to sell helicopters. <laughs> yes, little departure from that the tequila business how did how does one go from selling helicopters spending time living in mexico to being in the tequila world well they both kind of get you high wow <laughs> Never wow that got that. this is a family show <laughs> right here uh, i mean selling helicopters afforded me the opportunity to travel the world and and really experience all kinds of cultures and people but at the end of the day i grew up in texas drinking tequila with my buddies that were mainly mexican um, and I just knew what good stuff was. And so after years of being in the aerospace industry, I thought, what do I really want to do when I grow up? Um, and I thought, oh, that'd be kind of fun to like create something amazing because, unfortunately, on this side of the border, there's not that many amazing tequila brands. So. Right, because tequila, tequila is the thing where you're like, oh, that one time in college, and you don't want to know the story. It's 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 the story of uh, of the lime and, and, and a body shot. I mean, that's, that's tequila to a lot of people. I mean, still. You know, it's not that... <laughs> It's not that dissimilar to the helicopter industry. Because a lot of the times people say, oh, God, I was in a helicopter once in a place called Vietnam. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And that was their experience. I'm like, well, it's not like that anymore. <laughs> so the, the, the change in from shot tequila to sipping tequila, when did that really start occurring? Well, that's great. So I'll give some shout-out to Patron on that part. They, they launched uh, back in the late 80s, I think 1989, and you know they saw at that time an opportunity to bring a premium product to a market that was completely underserved. Back then, if you think about it, you probably had an $8 bottle of tequila that was served in a plastic bottle, and then there was Patron, which was 40 bucks back then even. So it was a big step up. The reality is premium tequilas have been in Mexico since they invented tequila, but unfortunately, we weren't getting the best stuff on this side of the border and we're the largest market but unfortunately too many of these brands are made for this side of the market so they they don't necessarily pay attention to what the real consumer 
should want. Are they not paying side. attention to the the quality of the, of the distilled, or are they not paying attention to the fact that there is a very worthy palate in the United States? I I think it, they didn't understand. So tequila really started booming way back when. There was wars going on globally, world wars, and we couldn't get the whiskeys and stuff out of Europe that we really wanted. So we still wanted our booze on this in this continent. So that's when tequila really started increasing their exports from Mexico into the U.S. to kind of fill that gap. And then it just went from there. But unfortunately, then the wars ended and whiskey started flowing again. So what we had left at that time for tequila industry was not very well-made product. I mean, you can make, you know... a you can make a lot of things very inexpensively, and, and tequila happened to, unfortunately, at that time, fall into that category for the U.S. market because we just wanted something to drink. You know, we were just looking for booze at that point. In time. Right. And then, you know, just when you think about the shot culture around tequila, that's really an American thing. You go down to Mexico and you see them drinking out of shot glasses, but they're sipping it. But the perception is, oh, they're shooting it. So then we started shooting it, thinking that's how you drink tequila. So at the end of the day, does it really matter if it's firewater or not? If that's all you're doing is shooting it, or putting it in a, a, you know, a margarita or a Paloma that's over-sweetened and full of other ingredients that's hiding the bad tequila to begin with. So we didn't really get it that, oh, you can actually have a very high-quality tequila because that's not what we were being served on this side of the border. They were practically keeping all the good si- stuff on that side of the border. Talking to Christopher DeSoto, founder of Hiatus Tequila, H-I-A-T-U-S, Hiatus Tequila. Dot com. You've got the Blanco, you've got the Resposado, you've got the Añejo. And very often, as we see the more premium tequila brands come up, that's that's how it breaks down. Are those the only three? Are those the only things that you can create out of the agave? No. So, I mean, that's a broad question. Agave as a whole, there's Bacanor, there's Rasilla, there's Mezcal, obviously, which is gaining popularity, and then there's tequila. We stopped at the uh, Añejo because, to me, the longer it sits in the barrel the further away you get from agave, the more flavors it gets from the barrel, and therefore you really lose the essence of what tequila is all about, which is the agave. So a very opposite feeling of bourbon. Yes, exactly. So when you think about bourbon versus tequila, it's interesting. Bourbon sits in the barrel a very long time to develop their full flavors, whereas our Blanco is full of flavor because that plant sat in the ground for eight years to get that flavor. So for us, it's like, why would we want to hide all that flavor by doing an extra Añejo or even doing an Añejo, the regulation calls for up to three years. One to three years is an Añejo. We only do a year because three years later, it almost tastes like a bourbon because it's gotten so much flavor from that barrel. The flavor of agave, if you're describing it to a beginner, because for the growth of tequila, there are still a tremendous number of beginners out there. Yes. What is that flavor? What is the tequila flavor that people should be going for? So first and foremost, we use the actual heart and soul of the plant. So we're not using like, you know, you think bourbon is corn and it's using a kernel. That's not a plant at that point. That's considered a grain. We're using a plant that just was pulled out of the ground. And then we cook that plant and we make a product from So it's full of all sorts of different flavors, particularly if you allow it to mature, which in, in today's market, unfortunately, tequila is booming so much, they're pulling agave out of the ground prematurely which you can make alcohol from it but it doesn't necessarily have all the other flavors that develop so to answer your question our tequila comes from what's known as the tequila valley or the valleys around tequila the actual town which gave the drink its name and you'll get a lot of earthy peppery um, citrus notes a lot of mineralization because the valley all the rainwater comes down from the mountains around 
and and give it that mineralization. Whereas the agave that are grown up in the mountains tend to be more sweet, more fruity flavor because they don't have that mineralization and they're at a higher altitude, which means they have more temperature shocks throughout the years. Years, right? It's not a one-year mm-hmm. product. It's eight, up to eight years. Is that That's how long it's growing? Yeah, so on average, it's anywhere it's a plant. from six years. I mean, we're talking years. about a plant here. Yeah, and it's actually, it's actually a lily. It's part of the... Uh, it's actually more related to a asparagus than to what most people think of it as a cactus. It's not in the cactus family at all. So it's a succulent, basically. Mm. It's lily, uh, asparagus. When a, when a plant is allowed to fully mature, which then unfortunately means it dies um, before it's harvested for our industry or other industries, it flowers, and there's a big stalk that'll grow out of the heart of the plant that looks like a gigantic asparagus stalk. Right. So it looks like a giant asparagus stalk, and that's what you then take and... No, we don't allow it to get to that point. When it starts to grow that stalk, we know it's time to harvest. Because if it, if it actually allows that stalk to grow, it can grow up to 10 feet in a week. That's all the sugars from the plant going up into the stalk, and then it'll actually flower. But at that point, the plant's no good, because all the sugars just left the actual thing that we need to cook. So we leave some of those to allow them to fully mature, because then there's a whole community uh, of bats that need to eat off of the flowers and and they realized years ago that the bat population was dying because they were harvesting all the agave before they actually allowed them to mature so now how all these things are interconnected oh it's, un- it's unbelievable it is it is amazing christopher de soto it's hiatus tequila h-i-a-t-u-s hiatus tequila.com eat drink smoke it is your cigar bourbon foodie extravaganza tony katz and fingers malloy smoking the Ferriotego timeless supreme i forgot to say supreme earlier and it's been bothering me all this time we're doing this nicaraguan puro nicaraguan in the wrapper nicaraguan in the binder nicaraguan in the filler seven by 50 box press it is a full-bodied cigar look at my ash right there i by the way you can say that on radio it's it's magnificent. It, it is, right? <laughs> yes. It's round, it's perky. It's 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 you you just you just want to touch it. You just want to touch I'll, it. You do, but I'll, I'll pass. You just, you just want to touch it. I'll pass, but it is perfect. Uh, By the way, 4 years our first ash joke. That's amazing. It's amazing it took this long. Golf clap. It really does work for me you are right you know this is just a touch tight in the wrap sometimes you'll find that the draw is not as easy so one of the reasons we cut shallow on the cap end that's the end you cut from the foot is where you light from one of the reasons we cut shallow is a i i just it feels better it's a better mouthfeel for me but because you do if you feel like it's a little tight you can cut just a little bit more sometimes it's hard for people you want to have a good cutter a sharp cutter again fingers we need to do a cutter review. Yes, we do. We need to do a cutter review. But it, it, it's, I, I'm going to be able to open this up a little bit. Sometimes you do uh, what Fingers Malloy refers to as the old pinch and roll. The old pinch and roll. Just pinch the cigar a little bit. You don't want it to crack, right? You don't want to crack the wrapper. Just move it around, pinch it a little bit, kind of open it up a little, and you'll find that works wonders in getting the draw. Do you feel like maybe some of this has to do with the fact that uh, this is one of the smaller ring gauges we've done in a while? Uh, the 50 ring gauge, maybe? I've had uh, cigars, you know, Lanceros that have had this issue, and that's a 38 ring gauge. Super dainty. And people are like, oh, it's too dainty. I can't smoke that. Lanceros are so good. 
Lanceros are so good. Hold on, figures. I'm having a moment. Uh-oh. Lanceros are so good. They really are. They really are. It's just how you have more wrapper to the binder and filler, and so therefore you have a more flavorful uh, smoke, which is why I happen to like this ring gauge, because it really does give you more wrapper to it, so you really are engaging a little bit more of that spice, which is just laying perfectly right now for me on the tongue. Now, what would you, how would you feel about this as a golf course cigar? Uh, very doable. Very doable. I think that seven-inch size is fine because uh, you can really, really uh, handle the front or the back nine. Uh, I think that it's absolutely fine uh, because it's a box press. You can lay it down. It's not going to roll away. And at 11 bucks, it, I mean, it's just at that number where if you drop it, you're like, ah, oh, but you're not like, mm, you know, and then losing, losing your mind. Yeah, you're usually like that after your tee shot on the third hole. Right. That's when you're yelling those words. Exactly. Um, that, that's the truth. Um, but it's just, it's smoking great. And by the way, I did a little bit of the pinch and roll. What do you call it again, Fingers? The old pinch and roll. And it's, it's just fine. The draw is working beautifully. Working perfect for me. Yeah, it's, it's one of those cigars where I think I would enjoy it on a golf course. And a lot of it has to do with whenever I'm on a course, I do what I can to get the box press for exactly that reason. I can lay it down on the cart, not worry about it rolling all, all over the place. I'm not one of these guys. We've talked about it before. You, you'll see footage of, like, Mike Ditka on the golf course. God bless the old ball coach. You know, he'll be putting. He'll be standing over his putt, and he's got a cigar in his mouth, and he's puffing away. i got to put my cigar down when I take a shot. And... Uh, I, I, so yeah, I can't do it either. Yeah. I can't have the cigar in my mouth. It, it, I, I have to be focused. Yeah, I have to be focused. Otherwise, I'm like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up inhaling it. You don't inhale a cigar. You know you that right? You do not inhale a cigar. You're just toasting the palate. That's all you're trying to do, and then it just makes me feel terrible. And people have asked me, when is there going to be an eat, drink, smoke uh, golf outing? They've asked you this? this. They've asked me this. I'll do it. I'll do happen. it. We've got places. But we're doing it in Indiana, right? Yes. We're going to do a golf well, outing. I mean, unless you want to do it, you know, at Augusta All right, National. Fine. I'll, I'll rent out Augusta. I'll rent out the Masters. <laughs> I'll do it. You tell Tiger he has to wait. I would make that sacrifice for Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation. Tell Rory he'll have to come back on Tuesday. Rory Calhoun? Rory Calhoun. That's right. Well, what other Rory <laughs> would I be possibly... Discuss. Are you impressed that I knew that name? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. You are. Uh, it is time, Fingers Malloy, for News of the Week. You know, when the pandemic started. Oh, and, and your drink just arrived behind you right oh, there. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, sir. When the pandemic started, we talked about supply chain issues, and we continue to talk about supply chain issues. And one of the things that you would bring up uh, on the show was this uh, notion of decoupling from China. Right. And, you know, not having such a dependence on China for all of our goods are, are my goodness, I think 80% of our pharmaceuticals uh, come from China. Well, uh, corporations are starting to recognize that maybe they need to divest a little bit from China. And uh, Apple apparently wants to now manufacture 25% of their iPhones in India. This is a gigantic, gigantic move that I'm hoping is just part of a larger move. Now, what I don't know is whether or not this was long in the planning. Has this been eight years in the planning or has this been three years in the, in, in, in the planning? Um, when you talk about uh, our, our, our medicines, medicine is designed in the United States. It is developed in the United States. 
but it's not manufactured in the United States. And that, we've talked a lot lately about national security problems. That is a massive national security issue. You need to have multiple places of manufacture, including the United States, because if something goes wrong in one, you still have the other. If we're that reliant on China and there becomes a, a geopolitical issue, well, that puts a lot of people at risk. Well, it, you and I are both free market guys, right? We're yeah. kind of hands off when it comes to how businesses are run, let the businesses make their decisions, corporations make their corporate decisions. But you touched on it. We're, we're talking about a national security risk when you're so dependent on a, a nation that really, if we boil it down to it, it they're our enemy. And to have that much of a reliance on them, especially on something that's so critical like our, our, our pharmaceuticals, uh, it, it's something that needs to be looked at. I think some people might even bristle at that because we usually don't speak in that way. And it's not that I don't agree. I wholeheartedly agree. But what is the enemy is the fact that not people. We're not. talking about the Chinese Communist Party. Yes. Because their desire is a domination desire. The Belt and Road Initiative, China 2025, how they've building, been building out their military. They've been building aircraft carriers, and they started by saying, we're not going to build them. And then they, somebody, a, a, a Chinese billionaire bought one, and they just happened to donate it to, to, the, to the military. Now, they are a long way, when we talk about uh, aircraft carrier technology, for example, from being close to where we are in the United States. Because it's one thing to have the boat. It's another thing to be able to figure out how to park planes on a boat. Right. It's another thing to figure out how to take off and land on a boat. And it's another thing altogether to how to take off and land on a boat while the boat is moving. These are all extremely difficult things to master, to, to be able to build out. But they are trying, and the reason that they're trying so hard is to have domination of the Yellow Sea, of the South China Sea, of the Taiwan Strait, and therefore have control of what? shipping lanes and shipping corridors. So all of this connects in a massive, massive way. And by moving the manufacturing out, first, not only are we keeping the United States and really the free and thinking world safer, it does tremendous damage to the Communist Chinese Party because that's huge dollars they're not going to be able to recoup. Now, they steal the technology and they've stolen the iPhone technology. That goes without question. Right. But it's not going to sell like the iPhone will. So it's going to be interesting to see moving forward, not only if uh, this really happens with Apple, but will other uh, technology companies follow suit? You know, we're already seeing uh, when it comes to computer chips that uh, some companies are, are trying to figure out other places to, to manufacture their chips. So uh, this the chip one is a whole different one. That's that. There's a big conversation regarding Taiwan. That's right. why Taiwan is worried about invasion. They've opened up and are building chip manufacturing facilities in Japan. They, I believe they've got one going in Arizona. This, this is the big one. And then, of course, the materials needed to make those chips, which is a whole different subject. We really, we really got into the weeds right there. <laughs> and, and by the way, in the weeds and only scratching the surface. We should do more on this. Keep it here. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed, is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. I just needed a beer, man. I just needed a beer. 
And I know we spoke with, 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 with Christopher there of Hiatus Tequila, and we're going to get to the tequila. I want to be able to give that the good, full, proper review. But, man, I just needed a beer. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is the one and only America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. Back to New Holland. I feel like we're going through the whole New Holland category. This is a winter release cabin fever brown ale. Fingers Malloy, 6.5% alcohol by volume. Sure, why not? <laughs> there it is. There it is right there. Fingers Malloy and I gravitate to the porters and the stouts and the brown ales because everything else is an IPA, and the answer is no. We're just not IPA guys. If you are, we're not going to tell you you're a bad person. We're just going to kind of look at you like you're a bad person. It, we go to places, and there's 20 things on tap, and 18 and a half of them are IPAs. Yeah. It's frustrating. Super frustrating. So when we can find a good stout, a good porter, a brown ale, man, we want to take advantage of it as much as possible. And New Holland does some beautiful work. Yeah, they do. Uh, Is that because it's Michigan? Well, I mean, listen, you, a lot of high-quality things come out of Michigan, as we all know, Tony. New Holland. Matthew Stafford, he came out of Michigan. No, he didn't. Just totally left Michigan. Uh-huh. And then won himself a Super Bowl. And, and Fingers Malloy. Oh, and, oh. oh, that's right. Yeah. And Fingers Malloy. Huh. From Saginaw. Uh, we call it Saginawsome. That's what we do. <laughs> but they, they uh, uh, stouts, porters, because we, you know, we both, you, you brought it up earlier, gravitate more toward a south uh, stout, porter. Uh, New Holland makes uh, some great stouts. Um, and I, I believe we reviewed. We've we've uh, we've done, done some milk stouts. We did an oatmeal stout, I think, from them yeah. as, as as well. You'll have to go back through the archives over there at eatdrinksmokeshow.com and check out everything we've done on the podcast. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This, first of all, is gorgeous. It's it's near pitch black. Yeah. Uh, in 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 the color, uh, it's it's got an, a very very simple nose. That to me gives off some good baking spice and 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 and, and other spices. It's 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 really nice and a little bit of a of a of a coffee chocolate undertone. Just a, just a hint. That's what I was going to go with. You know, kind of a coffee chocolate. Uh, I tried it. It's it, it has those notes, but also it's a, it's a little hoppier than I was expecting. I mean, not like an IPA any by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but but still, that is there as well. But I I'm digging this. Yeah. And as for he's he's going in. He's sipping. He's sipping again. Fingers Malloy is sipping. I, I didn't ask it. That's a question. Fingers Malloy, you ready for this? Oh, I've been ready for this all day. Uh, <laughs> no, I feel like right now I need some wings in a football game. That's mm-hmm. what I need with this. I mean, it's it, it's very good, and I'm I'm a little uh, disappointed that it's it's only going to be seasonal. Yeah, but it's it's uh, that that palate. I, I just had some while he was uh, chit chatting. A little bit bready. It's got that right kind of chew uh, for it. It is uh, uh, that that coffee that 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 is in there. Uh, a little bit of caramel. It's a wonderful, wonder, and, and again, a touch of that spice. Yep. Wonderful flavor all the way around, and a nice little bit of sweetness. But it, it's not too sweet. It, uh, but from here, looking at your glass, and, and granted, it's. The lighting is a little bit down here at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, but it is so dark from here. It, it looks like it could be a porter. Looks like it could be a Coke. <laughs> yeah, really. it's that kind of 
of coloring on it. But man, it is super smooth. Now with with this, there is a touch of bitterness, right? That is lingering on the the the, the tip and, and middle tongue. I don't mind it at all. I don't mind that at all. Stay with me. Now you usually like to pair your cigars, uh, you know, either with a, a bourbon or especially a, a rye and coffee. How often do you pair your cigars with a beer? Rarely. Really, really rarely. I will admit, probably only for the show. I, I, I don't do it at home often. You know, if I'm, if I'm trying something, splitting one with, with, with the wife or, or whatever, then if I'm already smoking a cigar, yeah, I'll do it. I could easily do two of these right now. Yeah, I could as well. I think it, it pairs well with the cigar. I, at home, love to pair it with a, with a stout, a Guinness, or that coffee, uh, cold brew coffee uh, Guinness that they... Right, the, the nitro. Yeah. Oh. That's so good with a cigar. Absolutely fantastic. So this right here from New Holland is there. Uh, it's a brown ale, the Cabin Fever, a seasonal uh, re- release. I tend to stay away from beers and cigars because the flavor of, of the beer, especially as we drink them, can overpower what the cigar has to offer. We're smoking the Timeless Supreme from Ferry Otego. The Timeless was a Nat Sherman brand. Michael Herklotz was with Nat Sherman after it was purchased, started his own brand and purchased those names, purchased those brands back to keep them alive and, 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 and running. So when you've got this cigar and, and the fullness of this cigar, a little bit uh, tobacco forward, Nicaraguan in the wrapper, in the binder, and in and in the filler, which which this is, it's a good complement for something that's more tobacco uh, and and a little heavier to have this kind of sweetness. I like that coffee on coffee. I like that that pairing. But if if I was for the first time just doing the cigar, no 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 water, maybe a diet coke, some black coffee. For sure. I wouldn't be going with a beer. I was just in a mood. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, when it comes to pairing with beer, forget the fact that neither one of us really like an IPA. I, I just don't think, even if you were an IPA lover, I, I just can't imagine an IPA being a good pairing with a cigar. You know what I think pairs well with an IPA? The Rapture. <laughs> That's pretty good. I just, I, I, I wish... I wish I could see what other people see in it, but I just cannot. I want a beer you can chew. I want to feel. It's got to have a thickness. It's got to have viscosity. It's got to be able to fill and coat the palate. And and for me, IPAs have never done it. But this, this is once again New Holland. Being able to do it, their brown ale, it's called Cabin Fever, 6.5% alcohol by volume. And it's... I mean, we, we've been drinking for a while now, and this this aftertaste, perfect. Doesn't bother me at all, but I get for some people, this is like, oh, that's way too much, cats. Nah, man, this isn't way too much. This is the way nature intended beer to be. So my question, Tony, do we have a price on this? Uh, $9 million. It's in my refrigerator. $9 million. That's a great question. What is the price of something like this, and does it come as a... A, a four pack, or as it, does it come as the 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 six pack? Uh, well, I can tell you, Tony. Our yeah. friends over at uh, Drizzly, they have it available. 
cabin fever uh, in in a bottle. Uh, a six pack will run you right here in Central Indiana uh, a little over eleven dollars for a six pack. Oh yes, almost oh, definitely, most definitely six pack two dollars a bottle. I did that math all by myself. Took off my shoes and everything. Yes. Oh dear goodness, yes. And right now with the cold and winter, this fits beautifully. Beautifully. New Holland Cabin Fever. Check it out. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Here at Eat Drink Smoke, we consider your health to be of the utmost importance. I agree. That's why I'm such a good role model for the folks out there. Fingers Malloy is nothing but a picture of health. That is true. That's why I was on the cover of Picture of Health magazine this month. Look at it at newsstands near you if there are newsstands available near you. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't gonna stop. We gonna stop. <laughs> it's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. So that right there is health aficionado Jim Fix. I mean, Fingers Malloy. Look that up on the Google box, <laughs> dear people. And here in front of us, it, what is this show without, without a list, Fingers Malloy? It's nothing without a list. Eat This, Not That, which is the purveyor of absolutely ridiculous lists. Five little things you can do every day to lose a lot of weight. And we're going to discuss this with you as we drink a, uh, a cabin fever brown ale from New Holland Brewing. Again, uh, plenty of protein in that, uh, along with nine essential vitamins and minerals and, of course, uh, your electrolytes. That's what plants crave. Uh, the first one is increase your protein intake at breakfast. Fact. Yep. Straight up fact. So here's what I've been doing lately, Tony. You're going to love this. Mm, can't wait to hear. So... Uh, I've been eating oatmeal in the morning and not the kind that you tear a packet open and you add the water. You've been like doing the real... steel cutouts? Yeah. And I, I didn't like the texture of it. So I've been putting it in uh, my Nutribullet to grind it up to where it's like powder. And then when you, when you boil it, uh, it it's, it's got more of the texture of a instant oatmeal. But I've been adding to make it chocolate flavor, chocolate protein. Oh, I thought you were going to say chocolate ice cream. <laughs> I swear to you, that's exactly what was going to come out. I thought that was going to come out of your mouth. Chocolate protein, like protein powder? Protein powder. Yep. Uh, When I put the water in, I put a little extra water in, and then I put the protein powder in. And then uh, when the oats are done, I add some blueberries or some strawberries on top of that. So you basically make yourself like a chocolate slurry. Kind of. Yeah. Why not? Because I'm a health nut. And slurry is a fun word to say. Um, I will try it. Because I don't think that's a bad idea. But it's absolutely true. Um, The idea of just carbs for breakfast, like my kids can do it, but they're kids. They can do anything. Yeah. Anything. We keep reminding them. They will, like, uh, like have a snack. What are you eating? Toast. They'll make themselves pasta and eat the box. Like, do you remember those days? I still do that. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I have switched over, though, to whole wheat noodles instead. But I could oh, you're just, going to hell. I could just eat a whole bag of egg noodles with butter and salt. Oh, it's wonderful. You need a moment? I, get, hold on. Oh, you need a, yeah, it's fantastic. You need some time? Oh, some time boy. alone? Pasta. It's sure. wonderful. If, if, if I had some romantic music 
to, to put underneath that, I would do it. So when I get my protein in the morning with the, the protein powder in my oatmeal, that's when I switch over uh, to get my carbs with all the noodles. It's my uh, food pyramid. Number two on the list, cut back on the amount of alcohol you consume. I'm sorry? Number three on the list, <laughs> limit added sugar. There, this is not – of course you know that sugar is calories. We are, are we to the point of understanding that sugar is everything that's wrong with you? Your joints hurt, it's sugar. You have headaches, it's sugar. Inflammation. Lethargic. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about yeah. when your joints. All inflammation yeah. is sugar. Uh, you're lethargic, it's sugar. Um, uh, you, you, you missed a car payment, it's sugar. <laughs> sugar. Sugar is the enemy. What, what amazes me is how so many people, unless it's coffee, I can understand that, but adding sugar to stuff. My goodness, it's, it's like sodium in a way. You buy a product, and it's already loaded with sugar or, or some sort of uh, well, I guess maybe national sugar. Well, processed stuff. Doesn't everybody, isn't 90% of everyone's diet processed foods? No. Oh. I thought it was. Number four on the list. <laughs> Dr. Fingers. <laughs> well, what was that? Health? Healthy Health Aficionado yes. magazine, was health, that it? Healthy, health, healthy Guy Aficionado magazine, I think, is what it was. We really should have gone to rehearsal. <laughs> Hydrate, especially before meals. So the theory is, if you drink a full glass of water, eight ounces, let's, let's call it that, uh, it fills you up, so when you eat, you eat less. I have tested this out many times over the years, and I can tell you that that is a complete and total crock. Really? Total lie. So your recommendation for the folks out there is to not hydrate at all. No, no, no. You can hydrate. <laughs> oh, okay. But stop thinking it's going to curb your appetite or you're going to eat less. That's not fact. I think it is. I can drink the eight ounces of water before the meal, and then I'll say, where's the meal? Well, for me, what it does, and I, I understand you're not maybe a, a snack person like I am. Every time when I think I need to get a snack, if I just go to the refrigerator and get myself uh, you know, some a water. Snack? No, some water out of the refrigerator, some ice water, and then I've got uh, lemon juice I add to the water. And I s sip that a couple of times, it takes the urge to snack away. No, I feel coffee does that for me. Okay. If I have coffee, I'm, I'm no longer, uh, I, I'm rather satiated in, in that regard. Water does not do that. It, it's, it's, it's a myth, like the chupacabra. Maybe you need a little lemon. Or Mike McCarthy's ability to get to a Super Bowl. It is a myth. That's a callback from earlier in the program, everybody. Maybe he needs a little lemon. I don't. He could not be more sour. <laughs> he could not be. And then number five, track your fitness and diet habits. So there is a theory in, for example, the business world. What gets measured gets done. That's true. If you actually track, if you actually record, if you actually keep an eye on things, those things tend to matter. It's why you need to go over your budgets and everything else. You know, if you want to know what someone values, yeah, this is, happens to be true. What do you spend your money on? You'll get an idea of what, where the value in a budget is. If you track it, you will pay attention to and, it. And hopefully. Clear, clearly, most of us have the time to track it. You, oh, yes. you, you can fool yourself into saying, I don't have time to, oh my gosh, write down everything uh, that I eat and, and keep track of my calories. Well, I mean, my goodness. Uh, you don't know, even you, keep track of the calories. If you just write down what you ate yeah. and then look back at it, you'll be like, wow, that's more than I thought or possibly it's less. 
than I thought. But it's it, when you go back and you try and remember, you don't always remember. You remember incorrectly. But if you write it down, not to not to punish yourself, but to just give you just to be honest with yourself, the honesty factor, you'll go. Wow, I didn't I didn't see that. I think it's really important to do that as you're eating. Instead of at the end of the day, yes, you know, if if you're going as you're as you're eating and then you're 3 quarters of the way through the day, it's like I could eat something, but then you look at at the list of everything you've already consumed, it may stop you from getting that quarter pounder with cheese meal. So you wrote down the quarter pounder with cheese and the fries and the oh, diet I, coke I've got it logged. and the apple pie. I've got it logged right up right no, up here. No, write it down. Right up here. Write it down. Write it down. Yeah, and then, right. and then go over it. I'm, I'm, I'm opening up my uh, spiral notebook right now. Your cig- you don't put it in your cigar notebook. Oh. You need a food log notebook. I, you should like, like you're a kid going to school in the sixth grade. You need a trapper keeper. Oh, I love the trapper keeper. With, with, with all your accoutrements. Accoutrement? Well, what can I say? I'm very fancy in the bilinguals. Find everything at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Fingers Malloy, we got so involved in the studio build that I clearly have to do. We never got to news of the week. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And it is time, Fingers Malloy, for news of the week. You know Tony. I, I do know Tony. Uh, you do know Heck Tony. Heck of a guy. Handsome fella. I hear uh, gentle but strong. And modest, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What? Was it something I said? That was almost a George Costanza. Ha-ha-ha! <laughs> it was very close. I have never heard Costanza do that. Ha-ha-ha! You, you've never heard him? Oh, that. Yeah, yeah that I've heard. I, I the threw, first one I'd never heard. I threw in an extra hoe. That was probably where it got confusing. Well, as you know, Tony, I uh, uh, newsrooms around the country, they call me Johnny Good News, Fingers Malloy. Is that right? Yes, because uh, on Eat, Drink, Smoke, I am always the bearer of good news. Uh, no negative stories have ever been covered uh, on Eat, Drink, Smoke. Uh, you are a gift to America. Well, but in all honesty, uh, we, we do have actually a good news story. What? Yes, we have been talking about how expensive eggs are. It's insane. Yeah, it's been out of control, and a lot of it has to do with the avian flu. They had to kill, oh, I believe, over 40 million chickens. Uh, wholesale egg prices are actually starting to decline. Finally. Yeah, the wholesale price of eggs in the U.S. is coming down. Uh, egg prices are up 60% from last year. And they're saying that they're coming down, but of course, because this is wholesale, the, the, the prices the retail price is going to take a little time for the the, the eggs to, to come back down but uh, apparently one of the main reasons why uh, chickens are doing what chickens do they're starting to repopulate so we're getting more chickens out there laying eggs more eggs cheaper. so chickens it turns out are really like rabbits yes exactly I've said that for years <laughs> I'm happy to see it this has been brutal for families awful to experience and then of course the lack of eggs on the shelf yeah and when there are eggs they're just ridiculously ridiculously expensive and i think people to an extent i mean there's been a lot of talk about the eggs because it's such a staple thing there's an extent to which people are starting to become numb yeah like when does this end and the answer is what does 2025 look to you yeah what does 2025 look like to you because it's it's that's when we're going to see it. 
Yeah, well, according to CBS News, uh, we've already seen uh, a dozen uh, eggs come down, the price of a dozen eggs come down $2 in the commodity markets. So apparently this is just going to eventually get to, to retail markets. But, I mean, eggs are in everything. Everything. So between your, your omelet uh, and what... Uh, products we buy out there that already have eggs in them, obviously those prices have come up. Hopefully we're going to start seeing a, a little bit of a relief. I look forward to the egg relief. Next story. Well, I'm also uh, really happy to tell you this, Tony. Uh, lab-grown meat uh, moves closer to American dinner plates. I've never liked you. I have never liked you, and I am looking for a new co-host. Oh, you don't you don't want? Lab- Isn't lab-grown meat already on our plates? Uh, apparently not, but it's going to be here soon. Uh, this cultivated meat is derived from a small sample of cells collected from livestock, and then they put it in like some big metal vat. I'm and, hungry already. And it grows, and eventually uh, you'll be able to have it. Uh, I believe chicken. They're doing chicken first, so you could have chicken press. That, according to uh, the, the people who make it, it tastes just like chicken. If you have to say it tastes just like, it doesn't. No. It, you're like a vegan is like, it's just like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Because if it was just like, it would be. So let me. It's not just like steak. You know what tastes just like steak? Steak. That's true. So are you completely opposed to this idea? Say if, if you know, every, technology is a wonderful thing, Tony. I read that once. If they come to the point <laughs> where they could create a ribeye in a lab that tastes just like it's from the cow, would you be opposed to eating it? When that happens. I will realize that I do indeed live in the Matrix, and I would like to be unplugged. I, w- I want to live in the real world. I want to fight the robots. I want to see the sunshine, and, 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 and I want, uh, what's her name, uh, Carrie Moss to look at me and say, you can do it. And then, I don't know if she ever said that in the movie, uh, but I, then, I, then I'll, I'll, I'll fight the machines. For the purposes of this conversation, we'll say that she did. But, you know, we point to... The Simpsons a lot and say, well, The Simpsons predicted all this. Sure. Star Trek has predicted a lot of things. Maybe in 20 years, Tony, you'll be able to go to the food replicator uh, that's in your home and press a button and say, I'll have the 10-ounce ribeye, medium rare, please, and it'll just appear right in front of you with uh, onions and mushrooms. Well, when you say it that way, no. (laughs) Please tell me You've got enough. I thought you were Johnny Good News. I thought you had nothing but good news for Well, us. then I, I probably shouldn't get into this next story, but I will anyway because it's right in front of me. Uh, Chase Banks uh, have announced that they're going to close New York City ATMs at 5 or 6 p.m. due to rising crime and vagrancy. We have already seen CVSs in San Francisco do this. Target stores in California do this. Of course. Uh, people who are homeless are living in those vestibules. People are uh, are getting far more violent. The, the the crime everywhere in larger cities is through the roof. There's just no denying it. There's no escaping it. It is ugly to watch and, and, and witness. It's going to require a change of policy. It's going to require saying we hold a standard regardless, and we're going to hold the standard. If you're not willing to do it, this is the world that you get, and that world stinks. Well, the the question is, and I hate using this term because people, 
use this term a lot after the pandemic, the new normal. Nope. I'm sorry. Was that was that loud? Was that loud? Was that I didn't mean I didn't mean to be loud. That's not a new normal. Well, I'm concerned that people are just going to start accepting that. Well, crime is up. Times are bad. This is just the way it is now. And because it's going listen, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of uh, political will and 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 community will to be able to clean some of this stuff up uh, to get crime to go down and. I, I are you concerned at all that there are there is a uh, an attitude in this country where that will isn't there anymore? I am always concerned that people um, will be like, "Well, what are you going to do?" As if as if they're helpless. It's it's a very it is very concerning and it is also disconcerting uh, that people would ever allow themselves to be in that place. If you go back to America's founding and you go back to the to the writings of Alexander de Tocqueville, uh, seeing what it was that America was becoming. One of the things that Tocqueville, de Tocqueville wrote about was about how Americans didn't wait. They didn't wait on, on governments, for example, to do something or some commissar or some commission. Uh, a bridge needed to be built. So nine people got together. They cut down some trees, created the lumber, and built the bridge. The doing is very much a part of the the DNA of American society and still to this day and there is this 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 horrificness about um, th- this give up mentality this oh well mentality this putting your putting up your hands and saying well somebody will take care of that we are the ones who have to take care of that and very often that is done via the vote that's how these things are taken care of and all we're discussing here is not we're not talking about being specifically cruel to people. We're talking about having and maintaining a standard. And sometimes you have to dig a little bit to figure out where the problem originates to then figure out how you solve it. But that is what's needed. Okay. You're not a fan of the replicator if it's a ribeye. But what if it creates a Cameroon cigar? Why do you keep talking? Drinking from New Holland Brewing, the cabin fever, this brown ale... Uh, it's it's eleven dollars for the six pack, and the answer is yes. Really enjoying it, and Michael Herklotz, who uh, took back the Nat Sherman brands of the Timeless, this Supreme Nicaraguan Puro seven by fifty cigar. Uh, I'm in the final third. I just couldn't be happier with that little bit of spice and that little bit of coffee, just working beautifully in tandem. This right here, this is Eat Drink Smoke. Follow Eat Drink Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat Drink Smoke, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eat Drink Smoke, and Instagram, at Eat Drink Smoke Podcast.